On the heels of the long-expected change of our councils of government into county-level equivalents, it's important that their leadership understand the ins and outs of municipal governance. Perhaps there is no better example than Matt Hart, who has recently taken the helm at the Capital Region Council of Governments. A longtime town manager, he will guide the COG into a new era of regional programs and cooperation. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Gateway and Housatonic Community Colleges, the Municipal Voices of the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities podcast, in collaboration with WNHH LP 103.5 FM. I'm your host, Matt Ford. As always, be sure to give us a like and let us know what you're thinking in the comments. CCM's Municipal Voice podcast continues to present a key forum on important state local issues. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the consensus views of CCM or member municipal leaders. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Matt. Glad to be here. So you've taken charge of a Council of Government, or COG, at a really interesting time for them in Connecticut. Um, starting this year, COGs will be formally given county-level equivalents. Um, what is the impact of this designation? Oh, great question, Matt. So as you said, the federal government, the U.S. Census Bureau, has recently approved a county-level designation for Connecticut's nine councils of governments. And that means that for census purposes, the Bureau, all of its major reports, now will provide that data consistent with the nine councils of governments, those planning regions, as opposed to the, the eight counties, which we still have in name only, but have not had any formal governmental authority since 1959, 1960. Excellent. So um, COGS have been around for a little while now, and they're not, you know, uh, they, they do a lot of things, but this is certainly, this change has certainly given a little bit more weight uh, in state business for the COGS. Um, how do you how do you look at this extra like weight it is giving to the cogs in Connecticut when you're advocating for things you know for the region the state um, to the state and federal governments? I think I think it's certainly helpful just in terms of advancing our mission and uh, our key priorities. Yeah. For for example, the the state the state has wisely determined in in my opinion. Mm -hmm that COGS will play a key role in helping to administer the application process for discretionary funding mm. or the federal bipartisan infrastructure law funding, the uh, IIJA, that the state will be receiving, you know, a little over $6 billion mm -hmm. over a five-year period. And COGS will be charged with helping their member towns prepare those applications and and vet them as well mm -hmm. before they're submitted to the state for review and hopefully approval. That's great. And that, that can mean a lot of money for your, your town, certainly. Yes, very much so. Um, so that's kind of one thing that you're doing, but you know, there are lots and lots of things that COGS do. What would you say are some of the more important things that your organization does for towns and cities? Yeah, the way I like to describe it is talk about the three primary hats that uh, that we're wearing. So CROG, the Capital Region Council of Governments, we serve 38 municipalities in the greater Hartford region. We support a population of a little under a million people. We cover an area of about a thousand square miles. So the, the first primary hat we wear is that of a council of governments. And in that, you know, I like to think about our municipal services portfolio, the services we provide directly to our towns, such as our purchasing coalition 
where we do the competitive bidding on behalf of our members and they can purchase commodities or services off of our list. So that, that council of governments hat, another thing we do under that is prepare our annual legislative agenda. That's another good example of our work as a COD. A uh, second major function I'd like to talk about is that of a regional planning agency. Mm -hmm. So CROG, like the other COGS, we have a regional planning commission that is responsible for administering our regional plan of conservation development. I think we all know that our, our municipalities, our cities and towns have their own POCDs. The state has its own plan and the regions have a plan. So we vet applications for consistency mm -hmm. with our regional plan. And then the third hat I'd like to talk about is that of a MPO, Metropolitan Planning Organization. That is a federal designation. And uh, in that role, we administer federal transportation dollars under our Transportation Improvement Program or, uh, or TIF. And in any given year, CROG uh, is administering roughly $40 million in transportation funding. That's a combination of federal and, uh, and state dollars. So those are kind of the three main hats uh, that we wear. Very interesting. Um, so as you said, uh, the capital region uh, compromises 38 uh, municipalities, which goes from you know big cities, Hartford and such, all the way down to small towns. How do you kind of balance the interest of the big cities and the small towns in what you do? Uh, ex excellent question, Matt. Because you're you're right. You know, in in Krog alone, we cover. Uh, a very broad and diverse spectrum, which we're very proud of. But we've got our, our small rural towns, certainly by Connecticut standards. Most of our members I would classify as suburban. And then we have a, a, uh, a handful of uh, urban municipalities as well. Our city of, of, of uh, Hartford and, uh, and New Britain and East Hartford to some extent. So, you know, there's certainly some commonality across the region. You know, all the towns, regardless of their size, are facing budgetary pressures, um, having trouble finding, uh, recruiting uh, talented and experienced staff. You know, I think it's trying to find areas of commonality. Mm -hmm. You know, we work to do that across all 38 towns, and there are some, but then also recognizing that some of our services, some of our programs, some of our initiatives uh, may be, you know, more more responsive to or more attractive to a smaller cross-section of the membership. Mm -hmm. So like CCM, we're always looking to balance that out, you know, making sure that we had that we're responsible to all of our members, but uh, understanding that some of our programs and services on an individual level are going to be more attractive to, uh, to different towns. Yeah. Definitely a balancing act that we are familiar with at CCM. Yes. Moving on to a little, something a little bit different. You posted uh, local safety plans on your Facebook recently with some kind of harrowing statistics. Between 2016 and 2018, about 50% of the fatal uh, and serious car crashes in Connecticut happened on municipally owned and maintained roadways. Um, what can a COG do with this information and how can you kind of foster change? Uh, that is a very concerning trend. You know, I think we're all aware of the dangers and impacts of distracted driving, reckless driving, what have you. So it is important to, to measure that and mm -hmm. to uh, calculate and maintain the statistics, which is an important function that COGS do in their role mm -hmm. as, the, as the MPO, uh, for example. 
But another thing we can do that I think is uh, even more tangible is COGS play a major role, again, with that MPO hat mm -hmm. in terms of we, we conduct studies, you know, we hire experts to identify and study problematic intersections and other areas where you have uh, fatalities, mm -hmm. high numbers of crashes, et cetera. We conduct those studies, we conduct the analysis, and we recommend a set of improvements. Mm -hmm. And then those studies can then form the basis of a project to implement those improvements. So that's a very, very important yeah. role we play in that area. Um, and those projects you mentioned, is that something that like one of your members might bring to you and say, hey, could you look into this? Like we have this one intersection that's got this history of, of being really bad. Could you take a look at it? Or how do you identify those projects? It's both. Um, uh, much of it is member driven. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll conduct a corridor study. You know, recent examples would include looking at the major transportation corridors in, mm -hmm. in uh, Hartford and East Hartford. Uh, we've also conducted a recent project in East Windsor. We've got one going on right now mm -hmm. in uh, Enfield, also in the eastern part of our region, heading out into uh, to Mansfield stores. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a very beneficial uh, role that we play on yeah. behalf of our members, bringing, bringing that expertise to the table. Yeah. Um, in a local road safety plan, um, there's uh, six stages. Establish leadership, analyze data, determine emphasis areas, identify strategies, prioritize and incorporate strategies, and then evaluate and update. Can you kind of take us through how a project might kind of evolve over time? Oh, well, certainly. So as I, as I said, you know, the ideas come from, you know, our members as mm -hmm. well as the CROG staff, mm -hmm. you know, looking at the data, following the trends, et cetera. Yeah. So we have a transportation committee mm -hmm. that is comprised of a cross-section of our membership. Mm -hmm. And it's been chaired for, for a long time, very ably so, by uh, John Coleman from Bloomfield. And they will analyze, analyze these things and mm -hmm. determine when a study is uh, warranted. Okay. So we'll put together a draft scope and then seek appropriate funding either at the federal level or the state level, seek committee approval to, uh, to submit the application. You know, the, the appropriate state or federal agencies, such as the Federal Highway Administration, mm -hmm. you know, they'll review and vet the application. They may have some suggested amendments or tweaks to it. Once a project is approved, you know, we will then, through a competitive bidding process, uh, select a, a consulting firm who can complete the project working in conjunction with CROG staff. Yeah. And at various stages, you know, based on uh, the, uh, the scope of the project, the scope of work, mm -hmm. you know, we'll report back on our status to the transportation committee. And there's also always a stakeholder engagement component to the work as well. So then once we have a final draft of a completed study, there's another round of uh, public engagement and a presentation uh, to our transportation committee. So when, once a project is completed, mm -hmm. then uh, we then look for funding opportunities to implement, implement the improvements that have been recommended. So you don't just set it on a shelf somewhere and forget about it. You're still then continuing right. to help pursue actually making it happen. 
Correct. That's very cool. Um, so there's been some argument over the future of the highway uh, in and around the area of Hartford. Um, would the COG assess the federal highway system and ask for input on how best to move forward with projects around 91 and 84? So the, the way that's working, at least for this, uh, for, for Hartford itself, mm -hmm. or I-84, I-91, you know, the specific region you mentioned, mm -hmm. the, the DOT uh, recognized the need to analyze it. Uh, the city's been talking about the impact for some mm -hmm. years now. Congressman Larson has been a leader on this and, uh, and others. So the DOT has commissioned the Greater Hartford Mobility Study, okay. which is a multi-year project looking at impacts of, uh, of the highway and you know ways to promote ways to promote public transportation um uh, you know vehicular safety mm -hmm. how to ensure that that uh, commuter traffic can safely continue to get through the region mm -hmm. goods and services etc so it's a pretty comprehensive study mm -hmm. and i think we should see a draft of that by the end of this calendar year perhaps early into uh, 2023 and as part of that study you know, they will they will look at potential re realignments for the major highways mm -hmm. in, uh, in this specific region. Yeah, and would rail be figured into those plans, or is that no, separate? Thing? It, it, rail is part of the uh, the transit component. You know, rail and bus, yeah. as well as micro mobility. Mm -hmm. You know, what's micro mobility? That's looking at options for uh, for cycling, scooters, etc., for commuting purposes. Okay, so it's not it's it's commuting, but not like the pedestrian bike paths for recreation. Those are kind of two separate things. Yes, yes. And those are very important, yeah. you know. And, yeah, yeah. And CROG has long been involved in that. One of our major studies right now is looking at options to close the remaining gaps in the East Coast Greenway. Because mm -hmm. we, we've got a pretty extensive uh, rail trail network here in Connecticut on both sides of the river. And if yeah. we can hook it all up, uh, we're going to have close to a couple hundred miles of connected trail, which is which is really really neat. Yeah. But uh, you know those those recreational trails can they serve as commuting options? You know, to a limited extent. Mm -hmm. To a limited extent. You know, I think it's so. It's also important to look at you know how can people uh, for micro mobility purposes, whether it's bike, scooter, mm -hmm. etc. You know, how can they best uh, utilize those forms of transportation? for aspects of everyday life, whether it's commuting, going to the grocery store, school, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Does that come in looking at like separate bike lanes on city roads yeah, and, and those sort of things? Whole combination of approaches. You are listening to the Municipal Voice on WNHH 103.5 FM. A different kind of infrastructure that's getting a lot of talk in coming months and years is uh, broadband. Yes. Um, it's becoming a crucial, it already is a crucial part of our modern world. Um, what kind of work is the COG doing on connectivity in the capital region? So, as, as you may know, that's uh, the bipartisan infrastructure law, the IIJA, mm -hmm. is including some amount of funding to promote accessibility to broadband. And in Connecticut, deep the Department of Energy and Environmental Protection mm -hmm. is taking a lead role for the state. Okay. And DEEP actually has 
a webinar, a, a, a virtual meeting, virtual, mm -hmm. virtual meeting later this meet this week okay. to meet with all the member towns, meet with all the towns, COGS, et cetera, mm -hmm. to talk about opportunities and potential applications to seek, uh, to seek that, that funding or, mm -hmm. or to obtain some of that funding uh, to work on projects in a particular municipality, neighborhood, COG, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I think for the COGS, it's gonna be important for us to know where are the gaps? Mm -hmm. Where are the gaps either in terms of uh, middle mile or last mile mm -hmm. accessibility to broadband? Where are the gaps in our region? Now we know to a certain extent, I think the, uh, the state has a pretty good handle on that. And then I think what we're gonna look forward to seeing on how this deep process all uh, all shakes out mm -hmm. we're going to look forward to the opportunity to submit applications to seek funding to uh, complete projects to uh, for connectivity mm -hmm. for our member towns and within the region so one interesting partnership that seems to have been struck that has happened outside of the region is uh, the is igsa or the intergovernmental support agreement that you've made with uh, the ctdot and grant utilities for submarine base. Um, Joe Courtney said that this is the kind of collaboration and teamwork that I think is going to really make the state succeed. How do we make sure that these kind of partnerships keep happening? Well, I think we've, it's important to promote that, you know, mm -hmm. and the nine COGS, the nine COGS, you know, we operate in a very collegial and collaborative way. I've, and we're, we're certainly willing to share our respective strengths and uh, and talents. Mm -hmm. So if CROG is able to step in and provide a service to other parts of the state, mm -hmm. you know, like the sub base in in uh, Groton, you know we we're certainly happy to uh, to do that. And at the same time, we recognize that if there is another COG, whether it's Northeast Council government, Southeast Council governments, etc., that has a particular strength. Mm -hmm. that or, or or a program and service that would benefit our members mm -hmm. you know we're going to look to promote that as well so i think continuing to uh, to look for those opportunities and and to be inclusive in terms of uh, promoting the availability of uh, of those programs and services across all nine cogs yeah and there's some really great opportunities they had there um so with, with the new kind of county equivalency, adding a little bit more weight to some of the stuff you're doing, you see a snowball effect effect happening in Connecticut. Um, in an interview in a in an interview with your predecessor, uh, Lyle Ray, who served for nearly two decades um, in that position, he said there's a general shift towards regionalism and accepting it in Connecticut. How, how do you feel about that? I concur. And uh, first of all, I want to acknowledge Lyle, Lyle for the tremendous key role he played to promote our region and uh, and the state overall he certainly has been a mentor yeah. a mentor to me and and to, to several people so i think another dynamic that's occurring now mm -hmm. that's going to help promote regionalism perhaps in an indirect way mm -hmm. is some of the critical workforce shortages that we're facing mm -hmm. You know, I think we we know that state government is experiencing thousands of retirements. The same thing is happening in local government. Mm -hmm. You know, particularly when you look at it in aggregate. 
And it is, uh, it's become increasingly challenging to recruit and retain people, well, primarily to recruit them yeah. with the level of, of uh, training and experiencing experience that we're seeking. Mm -hmm. And this impacts, you know, jobs across the local government employment structure. Yeah. And I would highlight building inspectors as one example. Mm. So I think now with such a, a premium, with such a, a, a shortage of candidates, yeah. it's all the more important for municipalities to work together and combine resources where, uh, where feasible. Yeah. And here in Krog, for example, you know, the, the state recently announced a round of regional performance incentive program grants. Mm -hmm. I want to thank the administration uh, for doing that. We're in the process of putting together four applications to look at promoting regional services and animal control, mm -hmm. assessment, uh, building inspection, and economic development. You know, and those are just four areas where we think if, if we can create our own um, offices at the COG level, mm -hmm. where we can supplement the services that are being provided by our member towns, mm -hmm. especially when they have a vacancy or maybe they've got an increased workload for some period of time, uh, or even our smaller towns that have long struggled to recruit and retain part-time people. Mm -hmm. So that's an area you know, where we think we can step up to meet the evolving, the evolving needs of yeah. our members. And I think towns, there's more pressure on them than ever before, you know, for these, for these reasons to work together. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you, you have some, you know, ideas of some things you could do that are kind of obvious sort of no brainer things where you could help and, and save the, the town's money. Um, are there other projects that you think could be done by the COGS that you might have to push for a little harder, some less obvious projects, but you think could work in the long run? Well, uh, that, that's a great question. So let me start off by talking about some things we are presently working on. Okay. That maybe in the past, we hadn't necessarily see the COGS play a significant role. Mm. So one example here in the capital region, and it does have statewide impact, is our waste management crisis, mm. you know, which has been well documented. Yeah. Uh, in with with Mira, the Materials Innovation Resource Authority, its waste to energy plant in Hartford is closing by the end of the summer. Yeah. You know, it it did have roughly fifty member fifty member municipalities, most mm -hmm. of them, Krog municipalities. Most of them have since found other options yeah. where their residential waste is going to be transported out of Connecticut to landfills in other parts of the country. Mm -hmm. That's a very expensive solution and yeah. one that is probably only short term in, yeah. uh, in nature. So Krog, you know, decided, hey, we need to, to step into that space mm -hmm. and come up with a game plan to serve our region for the midterm and the long-term. You know, yeah. what, are we, what are we gonna do three to five years from now? More importantly, what are we gonna be doing 10 mm -hmm. to 15 to 20 years from now? Yeah. So we, we have retained our own consultant 
uh, to work with us. We have formed a steering committee mm -hmm. of representatives from our member towns, and we've embarked upon a project to identify a set of short-term and then longer-term solutions uh, to, to this crisis. And yeah. we've reached out to DEEP. DEEP, uh, Commissioner Dykes and her staff, her team, have been very, very receptive and very willing to work collaboratively with us. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're gonna push solutions such as uh, pay as you throw, uh, removing organics from the residential waste stream, uh, potentially extended producer responsibility, EPR, uh, any, any number of things we're going yeah. to, uh, we're going to be looking at. Yeah. So that's an example of CROG as a council of governments seeing a, a regional issue, a state mm -hmm. issue and stepping in to help find solution. Yeah. Something that 10 years ago when, you know, China was taking cheap recyclables, right. paying money for them and it was a lot cheaper, it wouldn't have been an issue. You might not even have thought to have tackled, but your members are now having this problem and you've had to kind of, get on it and, and look for answers really. Yes. Um, so kind of a final question looking towards the future. How will the COG evolve under your leadership? Um, it's clear that, you know, the COG's role is increasing and it has increased over the past 30 years. Where do you, where do you see it going? Will we one day is kind of just have counties again, but call them COGS or, or where's it going? Now, I don't know that Connecticut will get to the point, at least not in the near future, where you know we recreate counties at least mm -hmm. in their traditional traditional form. Mm -hmm. like, there is a lot that we can do at the council of governments level, and mm -hmm. I I, I wouldn't rule out county government altogether. I just wouldn't immediately jump jump to that step. Mm -hmm. So I think here at Crog, uh, you know, we're going to continue to work to meet the evolving needs of our members. Mm -hmm. And we spent a fair amount of time talking today about some of the workforce challenges we're facing right yeah. now. You know, we're willing to step into that space and work with our member towns, work with state government, work with experts such as our capital workforce partners to identify solutions to that. Mm -hmm. I can see COGS across the state expanding their municipal services portfolio over the next several years, you know, providing some direct services to their member towns mm -hmm. that they haven't in the past, again, to meet those evolving needs and, uh, and demands. Uh, another important goal for me and uh, for CROG, and I'm sure the other COGS as well, will be leveraging those uh, federal infrastructure dollars, you know, the yeah. bipartisan infrastructure law. This is a once in a generation, maybe a once in a career mm -hmm. opportunity to do that. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to work hard to, uh, to maximize that opportunity. And I think for the COG, it's going to be having the resources on staff and the connections on staff to put together very, very competitive applications mm -hmm. on behalf of our region. You know, we're going to be very focused on that over the next five years. Uh, thirdly, you know, we're going to continue our work in this, this kind of connects very well with the first prong, meeting the evolving needs of our members. Mm -hmm. But how do we tackle the region's big challenges as well as its opportunity? Uh, yeah, opportunities, yeah. you know, a challenge would be the waste management crisis I talked about earlier. An opportunity could be how can we maximize the state and federal government's investment in the Hartford rail line, mm. which, you know, we see as a, 
a, a extremely beneficial to our region and the greater Springfield area as well. And then lastly, we wanna continue our work to promote equity and inclusion and sustainability in our region, you know, thinking about uh, the long-term. Yeah, well, those all sound like great things. Well, Matt Hart, thank you for speaking with us today. We really appreciate it. Sounds like thank the you, uh, capital region of council governments is in good hands. Thank you so much. We've got a great team here. We'd like to thank our guest, Matt Hart. We'd like to thank our sponsors at Gateway Community College and Housatonic Community College. Learn more at gatewayct.edu and housatonic.edu. The Municipal Voice is a co-production by CCM and WNHH 103.5 FM. Kevin Maloney is our executive producer, Christopher Gilson is our producer, Harry Draws is on the boards, and I'm Matt Ford, your host. Be sure to check out our Facebook page and give us a like, and watch out for our CCM chat series on our YouTube page.